0: We need to have a multi-pronged approach that cuts across policy, across enforcement, across behavior and culture to achieve these kind of outcomes. Because if we try to look for a single silver bullet, it's not gonna work.
1: Hello and welcome to the season two of Understanding the Future. I am your host Puneet Gandhi and Climate Center for Cities is excited to bring to you a podcast about the future of work in the field of climate change, urban development, sustainability and innovation. We will talk to experts working on ground as well as in the top management of government and non-governmental organizations to better understand how the field looks like in future. This will help us in preparing to enable climate actions as well as gauge the type of skill sets and jobs that would be required in future to solve complex challenges. If you are listening to it for the first time, do tune into season one.
2: Hello and welcome to the season two of Understanding the Future. I am your host Puneet Gandhi and today we have two guests with us
1: with whom we will discuss the topic of technology in waste and sanitation.
2: We have with us Mr. Gautam Ravichandar, Head of Policy Initiatives, E-Governments Foundation and Dr. Uma Maheshwaran Rajasekhar, Head Climate Center for Cities and Chair Urban Resilience Unit at the National Institute of Urban Affairs. Welcome to the
3: show. Hi Gautam, uh, hi Puneet, uh, welcome to the show. Recently, we have been doing the Climate Smart City Assessment Framework and within that, uh, waste management is one of the key uh, thematic areas which we try to capture. So Gautam, what do you think about the status of waste management within the municipal corporation in India?
0: So, I think that key issue with municipal waste management and municipal sanitation is that our systems were designed a long time ago to work when you actually had fewer people living in city, and the quantum of waste that was being generated was much lower because we lived a much more sustainable lifestyle back in the day. However with liberalisation and in the entrance of, you know, multinational corporations, the growth of plastics, we have actually started to see sanitation is no longer Sustainable in a manner of speaking and, uh, just the uh, way we consume, right, uh, is no longer sustainable. So the challenge facing us today in urban areas is how can we bring back sustainability into our ways of living so that waste generation at source is reduced? And then how do we think of the entire waste value change, whether it's solid waste, pure waste, waste uh, whether you think of, uh, biomedical waste, Electronic waste in such a way that it's actually more circular and how can we re-imagine the circular economy of waste in a way that reduces uh, the amount of waste that is being let out into the environment without treatment.
3: Sure, that is, it's interesting that you are talking about, um, you know, waste management and also making sure there is a circular economy around it, but if you look at uh, India, and Indian cities, I think we make sure that we monetize our waste in some form or the other. Uh, Even we have a long history of Kabadiwalas and we also have quite a bit of mechanism where um, our actual waste, uh, you know, gets reused in multiple form and format. But it's also interesting to reflect on some of the results which we have got around uh, CSDA To look in terms of uh, the levels, you know, we have graded cities from one star to five star. One star being cities have not yet started any initiatives. To five star being cities have managed to, uh, you know, think about uh, climate change, include, uh, bring about committees, create a strategy or a plan, implement projects, and also showcase some kind of an impact and in india what we are observing is out of the 126 cities we um, manage to assess 53 cities are at a very early stage that is that they are at one star and there are 53 cities which are in four and five star level so why is that huge uh variation any idea why that variation is uh happening in india is it because of
0: The states of the geography? Sure, so I think a lot of this comes down to just our history of urbanization. When you think about urbanization in India, back before independence, we had very few cities, and then post independence, you know, we started seeing small rural agglomerations, very urban agglomerations becoming cities and becoming larger and larger and larger. And uh, what the kind of Sanitation profile required for a rural area versus an urban area is different. Ideally, we should have been able to make the investments back then. However, due to the kind of way our economy had been decimated after colonization, we struggled to make all those investments. Everybody was trying different ways to manage and cope. However, now what we see is with the rapid rise in urbanization and what we actually expect to see is even more urbanization as ordinary you have started to get more economic opportunities, We see a need for a careful rethinking of the infrastructural economic requirements for waste management, not only in urban but also in the rural in such a way that you actually get to that point. So when you have these 50 cities, what you're seeing is legacy infrastructure, legacy systems, legacy data and legacy patterns of management which no longer are able to cope with the populations that they are dealing with. And so, we need to now acknowledge the fact that urban India is here to stay. It's going to become bigger. And so, we now need to think about this in a way that says, well, if people are going to live in cities, what kind of waste management do they deserve? Because, frankly speaking, cleanliness starts at home, and a uh, clean environment leads to clean duty, in some manner of speaking, and that leads to more productive kind of uh, development in our uh, overall space. So I really think uh sanitation is the starting point of India's development transformation for the next phase of uh, reforms and the next phase of growth. Right,
3: within with our assessment, we are also able to see a trend, so um, I don't know why uh, that is emerging, probably because of um, the hilly areas, but what we are seeing is states like Odisha, Bihar, and the entire northeastern states. And uh, also states like Tamil Nadu and Kerala, which, which have been quite progressive in terms of the waste management are not performing as well as states in Western and Central India, say so states in you know, Maharashtra, Gujarat, Madhya Pradesh, and even Uttar Pradesh for that matter, given its large size, have managed to do much better than uh, cities in Kerala and cities in Tamil Nadu and of course North and states have their own challenge of the terrain and the space availability. Any reflection on
0: this? So I think it's a little dangerous to use the results of an assessment to say that the assessment is a perfect participation of the ground reality. What ends up happening in a lot of assessments is uh, Administrators who are trying hard to ensure that they make their cities a lot more attractive will try to go through the assessment in a way that they are able to showcase that my city is doing well. And so it is important to keep in mind that assessments are point in time measures and what you might need to actually keep diving further into future st- uh, examples of CFTAs is how do the assessments become more refined, more real time, generated from the ground, less influenced by people actually interfering with the data that is being collected along the way, because you are actually listening to the state of affairs on the ground rather than at a once in, uh, point in time report. So, Mahesh, you will remember this, right? When we think about, uh, statistical analysis, survey collection, you can have, ask somebody, how much did you eat Yesterday, and they might be able to give you a very good answer. You ask them, how much did you eat over the past year? Then it's a lot harder. So what happens is this is a very human thing, right? I remember what happened yesterday, and then my memory fails. And so over a period of time, it is important to have frequent data collection along indicators that are citizen reported so that we have a real time understanding of the ground. And we also need to have deep on processes to understand what makes these, uh, experiences possible. And so I think CSCF is a great start to begin with. And I suspect that over the next five, ten years of CSCF iteration and as the climate smart strategy layout out across smart India, you will find that the rankings will start to change as CSCF becomes even more refined and even more real time.
3: True Gautam, I do agree that uh, there is a possibility of, um, you know, people being more optimistic in their reporting standards and uh, people have that bias. But there are two things which are emerging, uh, you know, the Swatch uh, mission and much of the waste indicator we also try to capture through the Swatch mission, which happens every three months. So if there is a strong variation based on the memory that gets, um, evened out or that gets ironed out uh, if they are going to do that uh, four times in a year. So just in this regard, there are certain things which also depend upon the hard infrastructure. Let me take the case of the construction and demolition waste. Of course, people can uh, have a memory of whether or they can have their own perception more than memory of how much amount of the construction and demolition waste is getting treated. But there are only 17 cities out of the 126 cities which has a treatment facility available. These are hard infrastructure. Okay, These are touch and feel things and uh, these are investments uh, which are both done by the municipal corporation and also by, in some cases, uh, private sector. Why so? What can be done about that? Because construction is happening all throughout India and when we are looking in terms of the growth, and also the kind of infrastructure which we uh, are hoping to, um, you know, build over the next twenty years. Uh, a simple aspect such as construction and demolition waste is only available in seventeen out of the hundred and twenty-six cities. Any thoughts
0: around it? Absolutely. So I think one of the major issues we have is we have adopted and mass some of the construction techniques of the West, which are highly resource-intensive, highly polluting require a lot of treatment, require a lot of management. And we've forgotten some of what we can actually do. We really look around places in our own country in terms of waste and uh, construction waste, right? So sustainable construction is something that we should be making a movement towards as a country. I think C-Cube is very well-placed to actually start that conversation. But if you think about sustainable construction, right, the whole question is how can I reclaim the materials I need from the environment within which I am building. So you can think of earth blocks, which are designed in a way that they will have a very long life span and that require minimal maintenance, which generates less waste. And actually all the waste goes back into constructing your own building, right? You excavate your foundation and the mud you've used to excavate your foundation goes back into building your own house. You excavate uh, the plants from there and then you use that in part of the construction material. If you think about how do I look at blue-green infrastructure up front and when I'm building a building, I'm not looking at infrastructure as only being the physical building but also the land and the water bodies and the plants that I can create over there to manage heat envelopes and to manage uh, just environment over there in a more natural way which reduces my use of air conditioners. And then over a period of time, what this leads to is lesser and lesser harmful materials in construction. If we have to start building these massive construction uh, treatment facilities across the world or across India, the big challenge that we will see is we are still locked into a consumption and uh, utilization pattern that leads to larger waste generation. So, I think you start by saying, not how do we treat more waste, but how do we reduce the waste being generated by switching to a more sustainable mode of construction. And that's why places like horrible are interesting to study. That's why places like IMA are interesting to study. If you look at how sustainably these buildings have been built and those campuses have been architected, we see a vision of the future that if we only were able to dream a little bigger, we would adopt it on our own as a more holistic way of living in urban and rural areas both. Yeah,
2: so maybe maybe I'd like to come in here and ask. Uh, so I do I do understand that yes, uh, reducing waste is should be a much higher priority than than to uh, you know process the waste. But when we are talking about uh communities with like Oroville or Iami, I mean, uh we are generally looking at uh lower height structures and much less densely populated areas. while when we are talking about any urban areas, even a small town or village, I feel much uh, might be much more high, densely populated. I think the then the scale of things kind of change drastically as well. So how do we deal in that kind of, so how do we bring that kind of construction into practice? How do we bring that kind of waste management into practice so that this can actually be taken into account on the urban perspective?
0: So I think there's a two pronged strategy here, I think you're perfectly on point when you say that, uh, you know, uh, current, some uh, sustainable materials don't allow you to build skyscrapers cool. might need to use concrete but can I use precast concrete in a place where all the uh, slabs can be cast on site everything can be reassembled and we have seen China really do this and some of this is also being explored in GHTC from the Ministry of Housing and Urban Affairs but the whole idea is can we start moving to a model where rather than everything being built on site the sustainable stuff that gets built on site and all the non sustainable stuff is produced elsewhere and treated elsewhere and just shifts and assembled on site. I think that's step one, right? Bifurcate the thinking. To so say while the technology of sustainability continues to improve and evolve actually as, as a company start investing it and create a market for it. For the requirements where we can't really rely on sustainable materials, can we ensure that they are produced elsewhere? treated elsewhere, and then shipped for final assembly in the environments that we want to have them in. And this is another pathway, I think, that is possible. And I think the new efforts from the ministry are actually moving in that direction. So I would really be excited to see what this looks like in 10 years.
3: Sure. I I also think that, um, you know, much of our construction, especially when it comes to bridges, flyovers, and the large-scale construction, they have already moved towards that in urban areas most of it is uh, precast and uh, prefab materials but of course when it comes to the housing element in India the urban planning doesn't define how your house should look like unlike the West, that they have a predefined facade or structures which needs to be constructed in a particular location uh, based on their planning regulations rules and regulations in India, we do have building bylaws, but unfortunately, it also gives a lot of space uh, for creativity. So, architects uh, and builders don't like that when it is clearly defined that you need to build a house uh, looking in a similar manner. If so done, then precast works well, but precast works only uh, in, in terms of scale. If you remove the scale, then doing that will be much more intensive because every
0: formwork is different. So well, I don't disagree with what you're seeing, Mahesh. But let's also remember all the Shobhas, all the DLS, all the Prestige, all the brigades, they build pretty much cookie cutter houses. It is a standard height, standard size. In fact, it's pretty much a photocopy of the West In fact, if you think about how the designs are, they are actually very unsuitable for the Indian environment. And that's why we require more ACs over there. In the Indian environment, we actually had taller ceilings, we could manage more with open windows, screen doors and fans. And this is what we actually see in the older buildings in India. So question number one would be how can we get free cast to move in terms of how it is designed to something that's more climate appropriate for India. And then ensure that the mass market housing that is built by developers like DLS, Coba and all the general developers start to adopt those patterns because they already are using these patterns. To the extent that there are architects and designers who want to create work to R. I I have no problem with that and I believe that that's what we should be uh, urging and really, you know, encouraging by ensuring that uh a renaissance of Indian architecture comes about and that renaissance of Indian architecture is all around sustainable materials and on-site construction and moving infrastructure where you are free to go crazy as long as you stick within certain sustainability guidelines. Sure, let's um, move
3: towards something more along the similar lines that is the landfill sites, you know, that is something which we all see in urban area and we wish not to see also in the urban area and most of the landfill sites if you take in case of the Bangalore they try to move it to the neighboring village and the villagers refuse to have the landfill site around their area because there is a too much of taboo around it and of course most of our landfill sites are not scientifically managed how can technology help in scientifically managing these uh, these
0: landfill sites since you come from a technology background Great, so I'd like to first correct one thing. I'm an economist. I'm not a technologist. I happen to work at a technology company. However, stepping back, uh, I would like to say that, uh, in terms of how we actually look at these landfill sites, you hit the nail on the head when you said that you are not know, scientifically managed. Now, scientific management of waste requires you to track waste from generation to disposal all the way through. And you need to almost do this at each individual element of waste. That's a very far away kind of process. But what we can start with is how can we ensure segregation at the household level? What are the incentives? What are the policies? What are the fines we can enforce and actually enforce? Right? It's not just about creating a fine structure, but enforcing the fine structure. So somebody is not segregating their household waste, fine them thousand rupees per day that they don't segregate. They will start segregating very fast, okay. Um, and you can do this in a gradated way, where you actually impose these fines on higher income households initially, and then it will start flowing down to other households as well. But it is the economically well-off who have to shift their consumption patterns if the economy itself is ticking. That's step number one. Step number two will then be that when you think of these uh, landfills, they really need to be about. Waste that can be scientifically managed and we really need to be inspired by what Bombay did uh, in terms of converting one of land cells and I believe this was done by ILS. There are phenomenal project in Bombay where they took a scientifically managed site and converted it into a green zone. Now if you can actually start using waste as a way to start building green zones by converting uh, landfill scientifically or kind of green zones that digest and take care of the waste and release it into the environment in a sustainable way. That I think is a stepping stone to the future where waste is actually feeding green zones. And so we have multiple examples of this, right? Even in uh, Pune, there is the Nala Gardens uh, that actually are designed to Purify wastewater and stormwater drain. And so we have certain concepts, certain constructs that work in a micro scale. We need to think about what are the policy environments, what are the supply chain considerations that will allow them to scale holistically across India.
3: I was just thinking, Punat, uh, since we are talking about the waste, and just a random uh, thought, but makes sense when everybody is talking about segregation and segregation plays a very key role in management, waste management, Uh, why should we or why should the municipal corporation take in organic waste? Even if you look in terms of the Indian household, the extent of organic waste which gets generated is actually less than a kg uh, for a household, average household size of uh, four, family size of four. So when you have uh, organic waste generation, limited organic waste generation and then we have uh, other, uh, you know, ecosystems, um, which are available, people go and feed the cow or uh, neighborhood cow or their pet cow. Uh, the, the extent of organic waste in India, Indian households are usually low because people don't like to waste food. Uh, Then that is the case. Uh, Why should the municipal corporation accept organic waste? Why can't they just uh, take and process the uh, other type of waste including the construction and demolition waste which is very key. And uh, then the problem of uh, segregation and transporting the segregated materials or waste to two different sites and uh, processing of them in two different formats uh, gets considerably reduced and people can al- always make a uh, manure out of it or they can compose it, they can also uh, process it at their own household or they can uh, basically avoid generating too much of organic waste. Any thoughts around it, Yeah,
0: so I think uh, you hit upon something important, what I call the waste to value kind of cycle. The thing is, when you see waste as waste and not as value, you treat it as something to throw away. However, when you see it as value and when you pay for waste management as a value-added service from the municipal corporation, that is charged at the rate that you would probably pay to a Swiggy or a Zomato to deliver your food, you will start thinking deeply about, hey, do I really need to pay this additional fee? Can I... Avoid the cutlery. Can I order from a place closer to myself, uh, to reduce my delivery service You start taking on behaviors that manage your financial outflow. In the same way, imagine if wet wave was the highest charged amount or one of the second highest charged amounts is a biomedical waste to the higher one. And that is exactly what you focus on in terms of power structures. And then you also create composting pits and areas in local public parks so that the organic waste of the neighborhood goes into actually supporting the blue green infrastructure of the neighborhood then you will start seeing people's behavior patterns also shift because they know that their waste is generating value in their own neighborhoods that's step number one i think step number two then comes down to as you think of all of these different types of waste and their segregation and transportation and management How do we tap into, like you said, some of our Indian cultural norms, right? And I think we haven't even touched on the importance of behavioral science in waste management in our country yet, right? And one example of this that I remember a person had once related to me was she was working on a project in Rajasthan and she was trying to get people to use RFID scripts to track the health of their child the low-income populations were like what is this technology, I don't trust it." But then when you actually put it as a tabis, a tabis that the child would have, it would contain its uh, medical information and use that to keep a record of your child's health. Then suddenly everyone was like this tabis is very important for my child's life. Can you start thinking of what are the natural, civilizational, cultural attributes that we have and how do we leverage them to create policies that speak to those to improve our behaviours around waste management. And that I think is a frontier that is largely untested today and I think it's a frontier that we have to
2: practice. I do agree that it's, it's very important to bring in that cultural and behavioural uh nuances to it and uh, but that way India somewhere I feel also adopts very uh, in a very good way to external norms so and define its own culture so when we when we look at digital payments ecosystem or we look at penetration of apps in general one of the things I feel uh, which is good as well as bad is the rating system and how everyone has adopted to it. Now while you are uh, rating someone for delivery they do they are also rating you that okay you are a good person and did not give them a hassle uh, I think somewhere on those lines maybe at the local level uh, while collection of waste is happening that kind of rating system can also come into account and take uh, make sure that okay this person segregates waste every day or this person does not segregate waste every day so that physical confrontation somewhere uh, reduces and again as you had previously mentioned about how you know uh, price point difference can be brought in so if you are consistently being bad you are charged somewhere higher while if you are improving your and uh, putting efforts you are charged lower.
3: Uh, when you are talking about cultural and behavioral uh, aspects I think what, what I remember is what is what is being done um, along the sabarmati river with a riverfront being constructed people used to actually put their religious you know materials like flowers and other things uh, into the river and now since if everybody in the city starts polluting the river then it becomes too difficult to manage so they have designed these nice uh, what we call kalash type dustbins it's basically uh, waste bins but uh, designed uh, lighter colors and it is quite huge so which can accommodate uh, these kinds of uh, religious uh, waste i wouldn't call it waste but uh, religious byproducts which, which gets generated but the interesting aspect is it is available along the river on the paved surface every Fifty meters or every hundred meters, but still, people who are walking on the bridge or on the flyovers, which cut across the river, they tend to throw their waste from the flyover because they don't want to come all the way to the riverfront, walk down, and then uh, dump their waste in these colors So that's that's an interesting thing, you know. We whatever stuff you provide. In India, people always try to take the easy route around and I think that is the
0: mindset which needs to change. That's actually something I disagree with robustly, and please pardon me for being so. I believe that if you want citizens to adopt better behaviors, you need to make it accessible and easy. So you can't be telling citizens all the problems are within, you need to reform. Let's be honest, if we actually had in the, the first, Colors on top, which allowed every household to say, ka, ka ka waste, we will put it into that one. And that is how it will get uh, taken away from your home. Then people wouldn't have to walk up and throw it into the river. That's step number one. I think, uh, however, just taking the idea that you laid out there and taking it a little further, um, I'm connecting it back to what also was saying. Today, if you think about how property taxes are charged, how actually waste searcher are applied so very minimal compared to what actually goes into managing the waste of the city. So would it not make more sense to have a differential pricing model where if somebody actually is much more segregated at home their solid waste management surcharge will be much lower and someone is actually a zero star or one star their solid waste management surcharge is actually three to five X and let's also think about how we can expand the base rate of the solid waste management per charge so that the city has the revenue stream it requires to actually manage waste. So I think we need to have a multi-pronged approach that cuts across policy, across enforcement, across behavior and culture to achieve these kind of outcomes. Because if we try to look for a single silver bullet, it's not going to work. But if we actually try to find Multiple kind of constructs, uh, foundations, so to speak, for better waste management, and keep reinforcing the foundations through policies, through behaviors, through fines, through charges. We will slowly shift the behavior of Indian population towards a more sustainable one. Sure, so, Gautam. I,
3: I think we need to um, the use both the carrot and stick approach. Right? That penalizing people will help them change their behaviour to a certain extent. But there is also a huge migratory population, um, both rural to urban and also across several cities. So, if you make sure that different type of waste needs to be segregated, maintained and collected at different intervals from the houses, it becomes a huge challenge for the municipal corporation to do so. I think what we need to encourage people to do is, of course, segregate it at a household level, but also make sure that much of the waste is not, you know, sent to the landfill. It is uh, also reused and repurposed like we initially talked about, um, you know, how how best we can make use of the waste and that requires a lot of sensitization and awareness, which will be required in the coming days.
0: But just generally in communities, also from companies. So we need to actually get producers to start using environmentally friendly materials that are easily recyclable low cost packaging. Let's take Amazon, right? A lot of my packages from Amazon arrive in a wrapped plastic bag, inside which there is bubble wrap, inside which there is a cardboard carton, inside which there is more no cardboard, inside which there is more no no plastic. Can we not move to construct uh, packaging materials that are entirely cardboard that can be recycled and which are easier to manage than all these process. So I think we have to not only work on smart, but we also have to work on performing bazaar because bazaar is really bad at this. And if bazaar needs to be more sustainable, they need to be actually the front uh, for the vanguard of sustainability in India.
3: There is one system which exists in Europe where, uh, you know, you pay extra one dollar or one euro uh, for, um, you know, bottles and uh, aerated drinks and other things like cans uh, what you use. And whenever you deposit that, you get a part of it back. Uh, that way people are encouraged to go and deposit it in a particular location or an, within an ATM kind of a machine which can refund you the money and what this has encouraged people to do is even if you see a plastic bottle on the road you don't see it as a waste but you see it as a you know a dollar earned so that therefore people do pick up that waste and make an effort to go to the nearest atm and deposit it to collect the refund so some system of such nature if it exists in india I think it will help us uh, if you have a markup on all the products which we buy, especially which contains huge amount of plastic or cardboard or uh, a kind of a waste which can be recycled. If we start charging that premium on the product itself and whenever people see the wrapper or whenever they see the, um, you know, waste lying around, their attitude may change and then people will make this extra effort. Like I said, rather than throwing it from the flyover, they will make an effort of going and depositing it in an ATM because uh, there is a value associated with it.
0: So, I think informal, I think I want to touch upon two things that are important. So, I think uh, one problem is we think of everything in terms of formal. And we refuse to actually include a lot of people who are considered informal in the formal value chain. And uh, that is something that needs to change in how we behave as a country. So Kabari Walas still walk the roads, pick up plastic, all of that. Imagine if they could make their life a little easier by giving them uniforms like Ambikakos did and uh, giving them badges and just enabling them to go and say, Hey, we are here to collect your waste, we will get a free and by the way, this is how much you get paid for, for volume of waste from the municipal corporation that you are giving, uh, giving to us. And that or it might be a rebate that gets applied to your property tax or your solid waste management set. So, I think you are 100% right. Have the markup and have the rebate available if you display the environmentally friendly behavior.
2: On this note itself, I would like to again change the conversation a bit towards that. Uh, while we are talking about all these waste, a lot of these waste again goes into water bodies, again goes into drainage and again clogs up a lot of cities, infrastructure, which uh, hampers uh, drainage, which hampers processing of uh, sewage, everything. So how do we make sure that these things are also sorted in a better way? To be able to function it out and make sure that the sanitation, your sewerage lines, your stormwater drainage remains much more functional throughout the year and not just during the rainy season.
0: So, I think one starting point of course is to keep in mind that sewerage in its classic form, underground sewerage doesn't work. It's 20,000 rupees per capita for a sewerage network. We should really be exploring FSTP, fecal sludge treatment plants and fecal sludge management as a much more low cost way for India to start keeping investors. And if we actually have FSPs across the country and that costs only seven hundred and fifty rupees per capita, then you actually are able to redirect your taxpayer funds in a way that you need to better waste So that's step number one. I think step number two is ensuring dignity of stand taking workers and Let's not forget about it. A lot of them die just because we haven't put enough money and enough willpower as a nation into ensuring the safety of sanitation workers. And if we decide to take that on as a pillar of, say, what's Bharat mission, Jal Jeevan mission, all these other missions that we are coming out with, right, and say, more no deaths due to poor sanitation. Now, if that becomes our rallying call. Then you will start seeing some of these behaviors perform.
3: Has that been, has it been done anywhere in India, Gautam, where it has really worked? Because NIUA has been working on fecal sludge management and providing training and capacity building. That was a long, it was a, I think, three-year-long program, which they are still trying to create awareness across various municipal corporations to ensure that uh, such systems are brought about, and of course, I do agree that it it has to be managed at a different scale rather than looking at it at a city scale. How can things happen or things be implemented within a community?
0: So Odisha, for example, is another state which has taken a step in this direction. They started off with a scheme called Varima. Which so is all about the dignity of sanitation workers. So they're giving them insurance against scholarships to their students, to the children. They are also focused on ensuring that sanitation workers have appropriate uh, safety equipment. They are ensuring that the process of ensuring that these people get it works for them. I think if you actually look online, one of the major areas where a lot of fraud happens is while PPEs are bought. PPEs are not bought keeping in mind the actual sanitation worker. It's just treated as a procurement challenge, right? But and so the sanitation worker is told, I don't care if this PPE doesn't fit you, you take it. Now imagine if somebody told you that about I don't care if this clothes load, these clothes actually fit you, you wear them. That's not how we behave as consumers. Why do we treat our sanitation workers as hostages of the system? And we have to flip them from being hostages of the system to being partners in waste management. We have to recognise their right to a dignified life and ensure that if we get them PPE, it fits; if we get them PPE, it works. And so, Odisha is a front runner in this. To the Garima scheme, I believe other states will start looking at that and start picking it up. And I really sincerely hope that we take a step as a country that the entire country will be sustainably waste managed within 15 years. I have absolute faith in the creativity and the ingenuity and in the ability of Indians to convert waste to value in a dignified way for all.
1: Thank you for listening to part one of this episode. Next week, we'll come up with the part two and continue our conversations. Here's a sneak peek for the same.
0: How can
3: technology enable in all these aspects, you know, right from waste collection to ensuring safety to workers and also waste management treatment and processing? Um, because over the last at least 10 to 15 years, there has been quite a bit of an advancement and India being a leader, at least in the software side of it. What, what is required both in terms of the software and also the hardware to help, uh, Indian cities move in this direction.
1: You have been listening to Understanding the Future podcast. To know more about Climate Centre for Cities, check out our website www.niua.org. The show is conceptualized, produced and edited by Punit Gandhi, Senior Associate at CQ. You can now subscribe to our podcast on your favorite channel. It can be accessed through the credits. Also, don't forget to follow us on our social media for more updates. Do share your reviews with us and help us spread the podcast to your friends and colleagues. Do write to us if you would be interested in learning about any specific topics. Thank you and stay tuned for our
0: next episode.